This is Over the Ledge. On 98.1 WQAQ. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Over the Ledge on 98.1 WQAQ. I'm Cameron Lavasser, joined alongside my co-host Connor Core. It's been a little while since we've been on the airways here, since we put an episode out. We're in the heat of the summer now. Both of us are working pretty much every day. But the NBA offseason has been so wild so far that we're hopping on the mic today to talk about it. Before we jump in, Connor, how have you been? Uh, Cameron, I've been pretty good. You know, over the Zoom call, your audio was mixed up. And was like a little ahead behind your video. So I understood what you were saying. I just couldn't see your mouth moving at the same time with it. So I understood what you're saying. But, you know, I'm doing good. Uh, like you said, been working a lot, six and a half days a week at that, get that, no, five and a half days, excuse me. I get that full day of Sunday and basically nothing of Saturday because I have to sleep on that day. But yeah, super busy, but happy to talk a little NBA free agency. And the past six or seven days, the last week has been absolutely crazy with the amount of trades, max extension signings and all that good stuff. So we're here to give you all of our thoughts and analysis on it. So without further ado, let's, uh, Get right into it. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to talk about every move here because the document that I have here with everyone on it is 14 pages long in size 12 font. So uh, we're going to go through some of the biggest moves here. And we're, we're going to start out in Atlanta where DeJounte Murray was shipped over from San Antonio. So in that trade, it was to Atlanta it was DeJounte Murray and Jock Landale. And to the Spurs, they sent Danilo Gallinari, who was waived. And then uh, 2023 Charlotte first. And then two uh, unprotected firsts in 2025 and 27, and then a pick swap in 2026. Uh, so I'll I'll kind of start it off. So the Spurs planned and did uh, wave Gallinari right after the trade. I think that was fairly obvious. They didn't he didn't necessarily fit into what the Spurs were trying to do. Um, and in coming into the offseason, which I thought was pretty interesting, is that everyone kind of talked about Murray getting a huge deal to stay with the Spurs. I was kind of you know, leading up into the end of June, like right up until free agency started. But, you know, just speaking to what the Hawks are kind of getting, they're finally getting a wing threat that's good enough to play and compliment Trey Young. You know, Carter, who we'll mention a little bit later, he got traded to the Kings and they have Bogdan Bogdanovich and Lou Williams, but they don't have that. But they, neither of those guys can have that downhill threat that Murray provides and that he was proven to have with the Spurs. And it feels like to me personally that the Hawks are trying to kind of embody what the city of Atlanta tries to be like is like playing fast and physical and like being up in your face. And like, you know, everyone talks about, you know, with Migos running, running the A town and all that stuff. So kind of running that back and, you know, Trey Young didn't necessarily have a second option that Murray will bring. And it was very obvious in the first round of playoffs against the Miami last season. And Murray's going to be able to add that. I'll get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously, they're they're really adding somebody else that can handle the ball and share the responsibilities with Trey. He had the highest usage rating in the league yet, last year, and clearly that didn't work out for them with him carrying the load as much as it, it as he did. But given how even given how good of an offensive player he is, um, it, it's a really big risk for the Hawks here, though. Like, will this work out? Murray was obviously the number one option on that Spurs team last year, so he's used to handling the ball himself. Now, will they be able to to distribute and work together. DeJounte Murray's not the greatest off the ball 
Trey Young is in the, the small percentages that we have, but who knows if that'll translate over a full season. So it's going to be a matter of whether whether they can really share the ball well, well and work together, which the Hawks are betting on, and that they obviously think that they can. And Trey Young, basically, by what he's been putting out on social media, seems like it's something that he's really open to. But I, I really like the move if it does work out because, I mean, DeJounte Murray, aside from being a, a, an elite scorer, I think we can say that he's a pretty dynamic guy, athletic. He can get to the rim. He can he can shoot. But he allows Trey Young to really hide on defense. He's obviously a, a pretty god-awful defender. And maybe Murray will allow him to step up. But even if he doesn't, then he, he allows him to hide and he allows the Hawks to, to have a guy – in, in the backcourt who can defend a team's best player and they don't have to worry about him getting torched every night, which, which I think is a, is a big deal for them. Yeah. Adding Murray, they kind of, the Hawks kind of put most of their eggs in one basket. And they kind of said it. they gave up, you know, one, two, three, four, four or five picks and a player to get Murray. And, you know, with the, the, will this work out in long-term? I think it looks like it will on paper. I mean, you get two great offensive players and, Obviously, you mentioned it, Trey Young defensively isn't the greatest, and Murray can kind of help that and, you know, kind of take the load off of him instead of people trying to target him. But, um, yeah, it's a great move for the Hawks, and the Spurs get a couple, quite a few draft picks out of it. And, obviously, like we mentioned, they they uh, waived Gallinari right away after getting get him in that trade. Yeah, it's high risk, high reward. They're they're betting big that it'll work out. If not, it could cost them big time in the future, giving up three picks, especially two that are unprotected. Uh, I actually I actually got the chance to watch Murray play in person this year when I went on to a Celtics game in Boston, and uh, and he was he really is a guy that can do it all. Like you can see it from obviously on TV, but in person it's even more evident than like. At, he's he's involved with basically every play on the floor. He can rebound. He can block shots. He can steal ball he can he's a very good playmaker he can score so i if it works out for the hawks which if the, if those two can really work together i think this this will work out for them it well in the long run and yeah for the for the yeah, kind of just to, no you, you go i have up until 2028 they have it every year until 2028 and then 2026 they just have two so the spurs are definitely trying to build through the draft and we've grown accustomed to seeing that, you know, with every player that they have, it doesn't seem like they're the San Antonio isn't necessarily a big destination landing spot. I think the biggest signing they've had in recent memory is DeMar DeRozan. He lasted for like what, two seasons and then was off to um, off to Chicago. And then, you know, they're trying to, like I said, they have three picks every year until 2028. They can use that to package somebody, to, you know, maybe move up in the draft or sign a bigger player when it comes uh, later into the off season. But you, something's brewing down in the, down in San Antonio and it's a, uh, culmination of you know how greg Popovich wants to run his organization yeah that's that's what i was about to say i mean the spurs like you said they, they obviously know they're not a prime free agent destination even demar Derozan, he was traded there and we're finally seeing a time where they've realized that hey we know that we're just going to be a mediocre team we've seen them be a bubble playoff team a team that can get get into the first round win a game or two and then they're out or even not make the playoffs like this year and that's how they saw that that's how they're going to continue to be in the future so, so they're making a commitment to to tank really they're, they're making a commitment mm -hmm. to tank now trip by trading away their best yeah. player like that and what we were seeing when they what they wanted for assets in the trade where they just really wanted picks they're they're committing to building to the future through the draft as they have done before 
And especially if they can get Victor Webinyana this year, who's some people are saying he's the best prospect since LeBron James. So yeah. I've seen I've seen short little clips of him at seven three and the way he can move. Whew. My God, they be the Spurs be lucky to get a guy like him. But this isn't a draft episode. This is free agency. So we'll we'll stick with free agency stuff. Yeah. If there's ever a reason to tank, he's it though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna move on a little bit to a guy that was involved in that trade, Danilo Gallinari, after being waived by the Spurs. He was signed to the Celtics on a two-year deal at I believe it was right at the mid-level exception. So um or was it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um and so I want to hear your thoughts on that initially. Yeah, so obviously I think it's a good signing for the Celtics. Uh, they got rid of some pieces in a Malcolm Brogdon trade that I keep that we'll um, talk about in a few minutes. But, you know, the, this past season, the Celtics shot in streaks when it came to behind the arc. I mean, we saw in the playoffs, it was very evident where they would go absolutely cold for, you know, a quarter and a half. In today's NBA, you can't do that by any means. And Gallinari shot 38% from the three last season, and that puts him at fourth best of the, on the team already, and that was last season. And obviously, he can only get better and only, can only improve. But I think he's a very consistent um, three-point shooter, and obviously, the Celtics, as you said, the Celtics didn't necessarily have that as a team, and adding a guy like him, you know, at six, and guard one through five and obviously it's a switching league as well and he's able to do that maybe not necessarily against a guy that's like Dante Murray where they're fast and quick and elusive but he can hold his own until you know their that Celtics defense was one of the top in the league last season you know kind of gives him help and kind of gets him back on his guy that he's better or most suited to guarding as well so good pickup for the Celtics and he's definitely going to add a little bit more consistency from that behind the arc for the for the reigning Eastern Conference Finals champs. Yeah, I mean, this is a signing that you'd hope the Celtics would make this offseason. They they get another shooter. Like you said, they were streaky at times, but they have a lot of great shooters on this team. And he's just another guy who adds that. He takes a lot of pressure off of Horford to be that consistent shooter as a big man. They can spread the load a little bit there with who's taking threes. Um, he, defense is, is a little bit of a concern with him, but obviously he can be a rotational situation guy and they can switch him off the players that are harder to defend. And if, if nothing else, if he can't play consistently at that level in the, in the playoffs, maybe with, with his defense as a concern, he can be that regular season presence that can help them take the load off some of their star players and keep them fresh headed into the playoffs. Yeah. And like Al Horford and Robert Williams, they've been kind of the, they've been kind of solidified as the number four and number five guy. And when like the Celtics decide to go small and they have, they put Gallinari at a, at the five position, you know, it's definitely going to space out the floor when you have, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown at the three and four and, you know, Marcus Smart at the running the two and obviously the possibility is endless with the Celtics and the way the NBA is now. So it's uh, they're obviously they can use Gallinari in a bunch of different ways. It's just a matter of can he fit quicker and sooner rather than later. Plus, it, so kind of going, I take him uh, over Daniel Tice any day of the week. I don't care that he's not even a center. So, so I, so we kind of alluded to it earlier, but the Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon got traded to the Celtics for Aaron Naismith, Daniel Tice, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Juwan Morgan, and a 2023 first round pick. And I told you quite a few episodes ago that the Celtics never had a true point guard, and it's kind of how they always 
play and it became evident in the, when they got to the finals that they kind of need it. They needed that point guard and having like Brogdon definitely adds that. And he's never going to put up the stats are going to wow the crowd are going to get those highlight plays. He's going to put players in positions to score very much a pass first point guard who can definitely get his buckets, get to his shots when he needs to. And he's been doing that since he's played in Virginia at college. You know, Tony Bennett, the head coach of Virginia, has been doing those, making those types of players in his program. And really, outside of Tice, no one contributed majorly to the team last season. Even then, Tice was kind of definitely turned into a role player out after Robert Williams kind of solidified himself as the the guy at the center position after he kind of came into himself about halfway through these halfway through the year. And, you know, Naismith showed flashes in the Eastern Conference Finals when he played the Heat. I remember when he had that chase down block on a fast break one time. And, but that was pretty much all we saw from him in the playoffs that in this past season. So it's a good pickup for the Celtics and maybe the uh, Pacers can, you know, move some people around and, and as a part of that trade and, you know, get some, get somebody or even cash out of them as well. Yeah, th- this is such a massive W of a deal for the Celtics. They lose basically no major pieces of their core. To get a guy like Brogdon who can really come off the bench, be a scoring touch, be a true point guard, take the load off of Marcus Smart a little bit. He doesn't have to take as many shots anymore. And they all they really gave up was that first. I mean, Daniel Tice, obviously he contributed to the team a lot, but he's not really like – <laughs> I think a lot of Celtics fans would, would agree with the sentiment that he's not, I mean, a guy that really contributed to a lot of winning in Boston. Um, Aaron Naismith, he had his moments and he would, he's obviously probably going to develop into a decent player in this league, but he, he was a little inconsistent in the time that we saw him play. And he's a guy that held his value and he was able to get him through this trade. And I don't think it's that big of a loss for the Celtics. And then all the other guys, not that big of a loss. So basically it, it winds up to a first here. And I do, I do want to say got some guys. I do want to say that Celtics fans I know are very excited about this trade because I was at I was at a concert last Friday, right, in Portland. And my buddy was wearing a Jason Tatum jersey. And probably five or six times, like no joke, five or six times throughout the concert, somebody would come up to us, dap him up, and be like, How do you feel about Malcolm Brogdon? We got Danilo Gallinari. Let's go. People are excited. People are excited in Portland. I I'm I'm I wouldn't say I'm excited for the Celtics because obviously what they did to the Heat, but that's besides the point. It's definitely a good move for the Celtics. I think that uh, uh, as we as it got down to the finals when they were facing the Warriors, and they're, they're going to be a team that's probably going to be contending for the conference finals again this coming year. We'll kinda, I'll kind of get that into that a little bit earlier, later on when we talk about our overall free agency thoughts. Yeah, for sure. We can probably move on to going back to Atlanta a little bit here. They shipped out Kevin Herter to Sacramento and they got in return Maurice Harkless, Justin Holiday, and then a future first round pick that might turn to a, a second round pick, depending on whether it, it goes out of the lottery, I believe, after 2026. 2026, yeah. Yeah, I'll 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 kind of I'll take this off, I guess. Uh so uh, this is Adrian Wojnarowski's words, not mine. So Woj, you're a godsend. You know the Kings wanted to get better at the at the wings at the wing position to kind of complement De'Aaron Fox, and they got that when they signed when they got Herder in the trade and signing uh, De'Aaron Fox's college teammate Malik Monk uh, this free agency as well. 
And as you pair them up with Damanis Sabonis and Harrison Barnes and their first round draft pick, Keegan Murray, who I didn't realize was 6'8 until like 20 minutes ago recording this. I thought he was like a 6'4", 6'5", shooting guard or something like that. But on paper, the Kings kind of look like a Grizzly-esque team, not to where they're going to be a two seed next season, but in the future, they're still young with a lot of veteran pieces that can contribute. And I don't have high hopes because it's the Kings and they've never been good, to be quite frank with you. But it give, gives me that same kind of vibe where, you know, two or three years from now where they have solidified pieces, one through five, and a lot of bench players that they could get that type of same success down the road. But not don't have too high hopes, but it get, like I said, it gives me the same vibe about it. Yeah, I mean – it excites me to see the Kings doing positive things with their roster. They, like you said, they brought in Malik Monk and obviously they brought in Herder here. So it's, it's exciting to see them do something that might make them a better team going into the future. Cause that's obviously something we don't see from the Kings very often. They're a team that's constantly chasing mediocrity. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for them in that sense. And I hope, I hope they can really build on this and they can continue to make good moves and become a team that can consistently make the playoffs because that's good for everybody if Sacramento's contending. Um, but for the for the Hawks here, this is really just dumping his salary. If we're, if we're being honest, they get two expiring contracts in Justin Holiday oh, yeah. and Reese Harkless. Herder was entering a, a four year sixty five million dollar contract this year, so they would they would have to pay up big time and losing him, they can drop below the luxury tax this year. And, and they clear up space to probably sign DeAndre Hunter to an extension um, this season because he's becoming an RFA next summer. And then even in the future, it gives them some wiggle room with DeJounte Murray's contract coming up. If, if I'm, I'm guessing they plan on re-signing him in two years when he becomes a UFA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't see just kind of talking about the Hawks at one, one last time. They, they got the role players in the trade who can come off the bench and give minutes when needed. But I don't see Maurice Harkless and Justin Holiday giving, you know, contributing the Hawks to the major, like, you know, what Deontay Murray is with the trade and should be coming into the next, this coming season. No, obviously they will be so kind of just, and they'll, they'll see some minutes, but we'll, we'll see how that play. This is going to be a, this is a weird off season for the Hawks. Yeah. With the whole John Collins thing, whether he's going to be traded, whether he's going to stay, where are we going to see Clint Capella moved out? Will DeAndre and be a guy that they'll, they'll look to trade Capella or even Collins for? It's going to be really interesting to see how this roster shakes out and whether they're able to get back to that conference finals level of play next season. Yeah, there's a lot of questions surrounding it, but it's in some cases it's a good problem to have because you have all these quality players in the NBA on your team and you can move them around and get solid pieces around it as well. It's just a matter of making the right decision and, making the most of the opportunities that are going to come with, you know, having all these role players that other teams might need. Yeah. I guess we can move on to probably the biggest deal of, of the off season so far, uh, barring a Kevin Durant trade while we're recording, which could happen. Um, but well, uh, could Rudy happen, Gobert, exactly. uh, I believe this was Friday. Rudy Gobert um, dealt to Minnesota for Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Leandro Bomara, the, the 22nd overall pick in this year's draft, Walker Kessler, unprotected first in 2023, 25, and 27, and then a top five protected first in 2029. Got me out of breath just saying all that. <laughs> I will say, I, I've always been, before we get into this trade, I've always been curious 
how many how many years out teams can trade for trade away their picks? Like you just mentioned, a 2029 first round pick. I we'll believe be... I believe it's that like that's the furthest out they can do it. Cause the reason it's spaced out every two years here is you can't trade first round picks in back to back years, I believe is the rule. I think you can do okay. pick swaps, but can't trade the picks directly. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was thinking about that when and I was kind of prepping for this. I'm like, when I was looking at the Spurs, I was like, 2028, 20, that's six years from now. Like, we'll, you and I will be our third year into our professional careers when all these draft picks are finally gone. Like, it's just crazy to think about, but that's it, the different story it, it for feels like, time. But like when you're building a trade in 2K and they won't accept the trades, so you just keep adding first until it goes through. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that feels times, but. You know, just talking about this trade specifically, it when I first heard about it, it almost felt like the Timberwolves are trying to make one last run at a Twin Towers type of look in the NBA where they have a power forward and a center above 6'10 and, you know, that don't necessarily have the three-point moxie that uh, many stretch forwards and great flanky centers need to have these days. And I don't know if we're going to expect to see a lot of Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert on the floor together. And, you know, Cat is obviously going to be playing that stretch four position and has been playing the five. So when they go small, he'll, it'll be an easy transition for that. And it could work out from the way that Carl um, Anthony Towns' three-point game has developed and he's become more mobile due to the transitioning and explosion of, you know, positionless basketball in the NBA. And obviously with Rudy Gobert, you get a, you know, three-time defensive player of the year or absolute yep. rim protector absolute rim protector in the league and it's a great pickup for the wolves and i know anthony edwards is do his best to try to posterize rudy gobert in practice now that he can't do it anymore on his uh during a game but uh yeah that's so we'll talk about the jazz on the other side of it yeah i mean it's it's a lot to give up for Rudy Gobert, for being honest here, it's it's an overpay no matter how well you look at it. And I I do think he will fit in well with Timberwolves, but giving up basically five round picks with having Walker Kessler in there, who was drafted like two weeks ago, it's basically five first round picks for Rudy Gobert is is an overpay. So I really want to know here who they were competing against to get him, because I can't imagine there were teams offering deals similar to this. It's it's one of those things where you look at it like you we may be looking back at this in like five, six years. If it doesn't work out, and I'm not saying this is as comparable of a situation, but like the Brooklyn Nets fiasco of 2016 or 2013, where they got yeah. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, and the Celtics got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and then who was the? There was another. I think I can't remember who the other guy that was that was drafted with one of those picks. But it's 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 interesting to note here that the general manager, or I guess the team president of the jazz right now is Danny age and the general manager of the Celtics when that happened was also Danny. Ainge. Danny Ainge, so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but for the Timberwolves, I, I, I do believe that this is going to work out well and I hope that it'll work out well. Uh, I mean, cats already had a lot of experience playing the four with Jared Vanderbilt, who they chipped out for Gobert in this trade. So I, I think we will see a decent bit of them on the court together with um, Gobert in the post and then uh cat kind of stretching the floor shorting from the wings and, and, in the mid range a little bit. So I I'm, I'm a fan of it. And just looking at the Timberwolves starting lineup right now, I, I think it's pretty scary when you got D'Angelo Russell and you got Anthony Edwards, probably at the two, and then probably 
Kyle Anderson are the three is what they're looking at, and then Cat and then Rudy Gobert. That's that's a stack starting lineup. And I'm I'm really excited to watch this team play. Yeah, I would necessarily want to say that the Timberwolves are a team that I want to see come next regular season, like based off past records and stuff like that. But you know, coming this season, looking at it on paper, you know, scary team, very scary team that could make a deep run. Um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting uh, lineup after this trade. But kind of just talking about the Jazz, I wanted to touch on them a little bit. In this trade, they got a lot of guards uh, in this. It's a guard-heavy trade, and they don't really need all of them. You know, they have Mike Conley already. They have Donovan Mitchell, who and who knows Donovan Mitchell is going to still be there come the come regular season day one. And obviously, they got Pat Bev, who's going to be a defensive stopper. And they could, you know, could kind of put a package together, get rid of get rid of some of those guards, or maybe even waive them. Okay, <laughs> uh, so. The Timberwolves first round draft pick at 22 kind of mentioned it. Walker Kessler from Auburn, 7-1. The dude is an absolute beast. It's hands down. He played absolutely insane at Auburn this past year. He averaged, averaged almost five blocks a game at 12 point at almost 12 points per game. That is a crazy stat line. He led the entire NCAA in blocks this past year. And being able to space the floor like he has, I think he shot, he only shot like 20% from three. But like at seven one and being the type of rim protector that he is, I'm not I'm not calling it now, but he could be the kind of shoe in for the next Rudy Gobert esque rim protector that the Jazz might be looking for. And obviously he's only going to be a rookie and down in the future down the line through development through the Jazz organization that he could turn into that player. But very good pickup for the Jazz, especially after losing a rim protector like Rudy Gobert. Yeah, the the Jazz. The Jazz obviously have some work to do to shake out their lineup right now, whether they're going to keep Donovan Mitchell, whatever, what everything's going to shake out there. But they, they definitely have a lot of talent in the backcourt with or in the front court with both Walker Kessler and then also Hudoka as a, as a bouquet. I believe I'm saying his name right out of Kansas, who's I believe he's just in his second year. So they have a lot of talent down there and hopefully they can build with that. Yeah, we can we can move on to another another jazz trade they made this week because it <laughs> this one I'd be scratching my head a little bit. They sent Royce O'Neal to Brooklyn for a 2023 first round pick. I mean, Royce O'Neal is he's he's a fantastic perimeter defender in his own right. When he's on his game, he, he can contain some of the league's best players. He obviously he wasn't he he averaged similar stats this season to last season, but if watching him play, he took it a little step back in terms of maybe his IQ, maybe his, his on-ball plays and making some questionable decisions. I, I don't know really what the Nets were thinking here with trading a first-round pick for him. Yeah, so this was kind of the start of – I don't know if you saw the clip. It was like two It was like two two and a half minutes. But it was Brian Windhorst talking about, you know, he did the meme, like the looking up, what is going on in Utah? Cause in, and this trade was the start of it. And you would think about it as not necessarily a big trade. You know, he said it first, like nobody knew who Royce O'Neal was until that trade happened. And even then everybody was like, feel what's going on. Uh, I mentioned Danny Ainge uh, was with the Celtics and now he's with the Jazz. And he's a mastermind as a former player and now office guy. But if it was to trade, trade away Rudy Gobert, I don't know what what's possibly going on in Utah, but I it's a 
good trade. The Nets got a very good defender out of it. If, uh, you know, the whole Brooklyn organization f- crumbles after Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving finally get their act together with whatever it's going on over there. Yeah. So the, the jazz now have five, I've gotten five first round picks in the span of about three days. So they're, they're winning big over there in Utah, but we can, we can stick with Brooklyn here and we can move on to not the biggest move of the week because it hasn't happened yet, but the, the biggest, I'd say the biggest news of the week that Kevin Durant has requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets and where we think he's going to go next. Yeah, I'll let you start with this one because, quite frankly, I don't have too much because it's there's just so much to digest and do what all that stuff. And quite frankly, I have no idea where he's going off of this one. Yeah, you you hear a million different things thrown out there right now. You hear the the Suns are his number one destination, but do the do the Nets really want DeAndre in after they re-sign Nick Claxton? The Raptors are also interested. We might see them wait it out and get him near the end of the offseason if they're really able to do that. I've, the hurt, the Heat have been mentioned. The Celtics have been mentioned. Other teams have been mentioned. Nobody really knows where he's going to go. This will probably be a, a three-team deal if if I had to guess right now. There could there even is a situation where the Nets end up keeping him at the end of the day. They're definitely not weighing their options right now. They're looking for the best possible trade. They want to get the most value out of him possible, and that's 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 obviously a, a smart thing to do for them, given he has four years left on his deal, and it's it's Kevin Durant. So, I mean, I don't think this is a move we'll see anytime soon, maybe near the end of July or early August. Yeah. I, I, I just, there isn't really anything here that I see that's moving the needle now or in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. There were a few NBA insiders from, you know, the stadium athletic. I think it was uh, Sham Sharani. I think that's how you say his last name. I apologize if I said it wrong, but he said that, you know, all these big trades that we've seen in the past free agencies, They've always, you know, taken, you know, two, two and a half months for them to actually happen after, you know, news breaks that the trading wants to happen. So, like you said, it'll probably happen like end of July, early August or something like that. But, you know, I go back to Adrian Wojnarowski and he said today, well, now Wednesday on the NBA Today show on ESPN, that the next that the Nets think this should look like one of the biggest trade returns in league history. And with all of the hype that's been around, uh, you know, where Katie needs or wants to go with four years left on his contract, honestly, this may be a hot take, but I think it's overhyped on the trade that is that Kevin Durant wants and uh, rightfully deserves because obviously Brooklyn turned out to be a terrible situation for him and his, uh, his career as well. But, you know, I said it was overhyped for a number two reasons, mainly because what is mainly what I look at is, you know, what has he done with the Nets? What on his team from 2019 up until now, what has he done with the Nets? And he's never made it out of the second round of the playoffs. The farthest they made was a game seven in 20 in the 2020, 2021 season against the bucks. And that was in seven games. And yes, Kevin Durant is one of the greatest ever to play this game. And it's going to take a lot more for me to make it feel like this is going to be the biggest deal ever. And, I think the Nets are kind of in and over their head a little bit, thinking that they're going to get a lot. Obviously, with four years left on his contract, there's a lot of money that involves with it, and they're trying to get rid of his contract. But I feel like the entire process has been kind of overhyped. And, you know, obviously, like I said, I keep mentioning it's Kevin Durant. He's one of the greatest ever to play. But, you know, 
he hasn't done en- enough in my mind to with the Nets to make him feel like he's going to be a part of the biggest trade return in league history that Woj talked about. I don't really care what he's done with the Nets, it's Kevin Durant. I think he's he's worthy of a massive trade package, anyways. I just don't know if the trade market is not to say that the trade market is not there for him because it obviously is there, but I don't know if teams are really willing to give up what the Nets think he's worth. I mean, Rudy Gobert got basically five first round picks. Do the Nets think Kevin Durant's worth seven or eight? I don't think any team is willing to give that up except for the Nets themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but I, I don't think it'll, we'll see a resolution anytime soon. Yeah. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight. You know, I'm sure all 30 NBA teams were calling Brooklyn and were like, Hey, are we in on this uh, Kevin Durant sweepstakes or are we going to be able to you know, throw something together with maybe three, even four teams, that type of trade. And I've seen like a bunch of different uh, NBA 2k trades and stuff like that. And it involves like four teams, seven players going to like one team and four going to another, just to get one play wants to get Kevin Durant on like, I don't know. Rockets or something like that. It was outlandish and all that stuff, but yeah, it, I have no idea where Kevin Durant's going to be completely honest with you. Another guy from Brooklyn that we don't know where he's going to go is Kyrie Irving. I mean, right now it's really looking like Lakers are bust, but <laughs> I mean, Shams reported yesterday that the teams are nowhere close to a deal. It, it, there's really a question of not whether Kyrie is going to be moved at all because it's it's pretty likely that he will be moved, but whether this is something that the Lakers are even willing to do at this point. Yeah, I think with the Lakers, you know, with all the star power that they have on the team, you know, with Russell Westbrook, with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis right now, I don't know how four all-star caliber players can play on the same team at the same time. And obviously we've seen at the all-star game in the Olympics and that kind of stuff, but in the NBA with when you have four players to that caliber wanting the ball in their hands, almost every possession, I don't think that it'll work out like that. And, you know, you kind of already said it, but Sham said that on the Pat McAfee show, I think it was yesterday actually that there hasn't been any tracks and he's going to LA. And yet again, we kind of saw with, uh, with Kevin Durant that he's an unbelievable talent, but, Again, I always go back to, like, you know, what has he done for his team to make him so marketable? And for me personally, all I've seen is that, again, he can't, he, he hasn't helped his team to make it out of the second round. He's played in 44 games with Kevin Durant over from 2019 to 2022. And he, quite frankly, in my mind, he's caused a lot of headaches for the organization. You know, sitting out with COVID, and obviously we talked about it recently, about, you know, putting his personal beliefs before playing in the NBA. But, you know, when you're trying to trade and give up somebody, you know, how can another team be like, oh, yeah, we we think this guy's going to be able to play, you know, 70 to 75 games out of the entire year when he played not much over the last three seasons, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's kind of important to know that I don't think it'll be if this trade goes down that it, it'll be for all star players in L.A. I think it's pretty impossible to facilitate this deal if Russell Westbrook isn't sent out otherwise, because he has that $47 million contract to his name. Um, But if, if I'm the Lakers, I I think they're really the only team that Kyrie could work with here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've, we've seen him come out in the past and say that I don't like how I handled the end of my time in Cleveland with LeBron. So maybe if he goes to LA, he can fix his relationship there and he can, he can, he will play consistently and get things back on track. 
so that him and LeBron have that legacy together and it, it's solidified past that one championship in Cleveland. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, I liked how you mentioned the, you know, if Kyrie does end up coming, Russell Westbrook probably not going to be there. And that is a that is a very good point that you bring up because like you said, he opted in to coming back next season. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, $47 million is a lot to have on a payroll when you bring in four other all-stars. And to, to and if you give him this guy $47 million and he's not contributing to where you need him to be, though, that becomes more of a liability than an asset for an organization like the Lakers. Yeah. And it's, it's a testament to even what fans think about him. I don't know if you saw the tweet that blew up today that he was a, a 73 overall in 2K that was believed. I think it had like 50,000 50, retweets at one at, at one point or it might around now. And it was it was fake, but people I, just believed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I did see that today. And it was uh, <laughs> I it gave me a little bit of a chuckle, but I didn't see the reaction from laker nation in the comments or whatever it was <laughs> going going back to the nets here a little bit they they are really trying to build up some depth there to to compete in the post katie and Kyrie era or even if katie and Kyrie end up staying past the season which looks unlikely but hey you never know they signed tj warren to a one-year deal he hasn't played since december 2021 or december 2020 didn't play all of last season, only played four games the season before with a left foot injury. But we remember TJ Warren last from the end of the bubble there where he averaged 31 points a game in those eight regular season games and, and nearly 60% from the field and really carried carried his team in that, that respect. Yeah, you, you mentioned it already, but he played lights out in the bubble um, right up until they got – knocked out of the playoffs averaging like you said 31 points a game and he, like you said he only played four games in the last two seasons the foot injury is obviously a cause concern cause for concern for me you know his is tj warren gonna be able to get back to the way that he played in the bubble who knows i mean there's always a small chance of it happening and there's only a matter of time of who can if we figure that out but you know you kind of mentioned to add in the depth that the nets are going to need if they're going to want to uh get back get at that depth and find players who can play outside if they don't have KD and Kyrie coming into the next season like we got we just mentioned it you know if they get one of the if they get all these trades in return they're going to get some quality players in return so it's not they're going to have to be scrambling to find that number one number two score in the for their team but they're going to have to find some depth players and I think TJ Warren fits the mold that the Nets are probably going to be looking for for sure I think we can move back out to LA a little bit now, but we can switch to the the other team in Los Angeles, and that's the Clippers with John Wall. After he was he agreed to a buyout with the Rockets, he has now signed a two year deal with the Clippers. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great sign for the Clippers. Obviously, John Wall is starting to get up there in age, being a veteran that he is, and with all the injuries that he's had in the past. But you know. They added a lot of wing signings. You know, they re-signed Nick Tomb. They still have Luke Kennard, if I'm not mistaken. I can't confirm that off the top of my head. But, you know, with the Clippers, you know, John Wall is going to be able to play in an electrifying atmosphere that is the Clippers. I know their general manager, I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he is absolutely electric to watch on the sidelines. And 
know, being able to possibly bring back some of that swagger that he had in his first few years in Washington could help the Clippers get over the hump that they've been quite frankly looking for ever since they got, since the, the lob city with, you know, Dwight Howard, not Dwight Howard, my God, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, you know, Matt Barnes, Chris Paul, JJ Redick, all those guys were able to. Did you just say Matt Barnes before Chris Paul? Listen, I was just going <laughs> off the top of my head. I'll put Chris Paul above Matt Barnes any day of the week. But, you know, it was just off the top of my head. There was just that one instance. But, uh, you know, to try, the Clippers are obviously trying to win championships. Everyone is at the end of the day. And John Wall, I think, adds a veteran presence to a locker room that doesn't necessarily have a number one guy in, in on their roster. And, you know, being able to add a guy like him who has had success as a player, not necessarily as a team. Uh, can benefit the Clippers in the in the, in the run. I mean, listen, if – I mean, the, the key word here is if, but if the Clippers can stay healthy, if Kawhi can stay healthy, if he can come back, he's had a year and a half, he can get his body right, if he can come back into the training camp, into the regular season and come close to his form from years prior, if Paul George can stay healthy, if John Wall cannot get injured again – then this Clippers team is a serious contender not to, to win the West even. Mm-hmm. He, he can push the pace for this Clippers team that's pretty historically so. He's a good playmaker. He can dish the ball out well to Kawhi and PG. They can share the load. If, if they can work together, they'll be able to share the load well there. I'm excited to watch this team play. I mean, we haven't seen Kawhi play in, in over a year now, and he's he's the closest guy in the league not in terms of I'm not saying talent wise, but in terms of how he plays to Michael Jordan, to Kobe Bryant. So it's, it's exciting to see him come back. It's exciting to see the Clippers add a guy like John wall. And I'm really excited to see this team compete. I mean, given how well they were able to compete just with Paul George, just that, that star on the roster and with Reggie Jackson leading the charge somewhat there. Yeah. And even when they signed, you know, they got guys out coming off the bench as well. Like I mentioned, Luke Kennard, they have Robert Covington, uh, Marcus Morris Jr., Reggie Jackson, like I mentioned, Norman Powell. These are a bunch of guys, you know, who have shown flashes of being great players and being guys who can have those small roles to help a team like the Clippers who have John Wall, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, like you mentioned, to, you know, make a very deep run in the West. And obviously, if, like you said, if they can stay healthy, this is a team to look out for in, in Los Angeles and in the West, like you mentioned. Yep. Going out east here for, for a few minutes, probably the, the only big move that the Heat have even made so far this playoffs. They re-signed Victor Oladipo to a one-year $11 million deal. You're the resident Heat fan in the room. I'll let you kick it off here. Yeah, after uh, after you fixed your mic, yeah, I'll, I'll, t- I'll touch on the Heat real quick. But, uh, yeah, so Victor Oladipo, you know, we you and I were kind of talking about this while we were watching the Eastern Conference Finals and that Victor Oladipo has – hasn't been the same player that he was when he first got drafted before he had all his catastrophic knee injuries, but, you know, nearing the end of those finals, when, you know, those games four and five, when he only scored 80 points, Victor Oladipo was one of their main scorers and contributors in those games and being able to you know get him in for another off season, getting him in on a one year, $11 million deal. It's a, it's a, I think it personally, it's a smart move for the heat who lived and died by the three this past season. And I don't think that obviously won't change very, very much, but getting a guy who's very explosive, very good on the defensive end, he's only going to be able to add to that room and finally getting a, hopefully a full off season where he's not getting injured in the off season and come preseason and the regular season. 
he's going to be able to pick up where he left off in at the end of last season and being able to contribute to a team who can possibly get him back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, this is a win-win deal for both teams and the way I'm looking at it here. I mean, for both sides, not both. Victor Oladipo isn't a team. But um, the, the Heat get one more year of Victor Oladipo coming off the bench. They get that spark plug player. They get that that guy who can really electrify an offense and take a team like we saw in the playoffs who's who's kind of stagnating throughout the course of a game and really bring them back to bring them back to life. And it's another prove a deal for Victor Oladipo is he's, he's trying to build back up from that horrible injury that he had and really return to that star form that saw him. Like I saw a video the other day, him cooking Kevin Durant team USA camp four or five yeah. years ago. On those That's the Victor ones, Oladipo yeah. that we, that we all know and love. And he's, he's hoping he can return to that and sign one more big payday before his career comes to an end. So I think this is a win-win for both sides. Yeah, I when I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's the Victor Oladipo that all of us know and love. And he's the player that nobody hates by any means. He's such a, you know, such a great player. He's definitely very much a team guy. And, you know, the Heat are obviously trying to make sure he becomes a focal point if they want to make a deep run, even, even if it is only a one-year deal. Yep. Uh, keeping in the East here for a few minutes one of the most confusing moves of of the the offseason so far which actually involves the heat because that's the team he's leaving the sixers signed pj tucker to a three-year 33 million dollar deal pj tucker's 37 years old he's going to be 40 when this deal runs out he had ankle mobility problems throughout the playoffs he, he struggled really to to score even on uncontested layups near the end of that conference final series. Obviously he's a big glue guy. He brings the intensity. He's, he brings a lot of energy to the team, but $11 million at 37 years old. This is, this is, this is one of those moves that just really made me scratch, scratch my head. And obviously Daryl Moore, he's in there. He coached him or coached him. He was the general manager when PJ Tucker was in Houston. So obviously they have a relationship there, but that's really the only reason that I can see as to why, he brought him in for three years at $11 million a year at 37 years old. Yeah. So before we get to the money, I personally think it's a good pickup for the Sixers. The Heat are going to miss him for sure. You know, he was kind of the anchor many times being that 37 year old uh, vet who knew how to play, knew how to play defense the right way. And obviously made shots from the corner. Like he was like, it was nobody's business, but three years for $33 million. You, you said it like it's a lot of money for a 37 year old. And, you know, with all the new technology and being able to take care of your body and nutrition and stuff like that, it's only, it can only do so much. And at 37 years old for a guy like PJ Tucker, he's very much the type of person who needs to, you know, just play defense. He's willing to do the dirty work. And I don't think if he continues to do that for the Sixers, he'll be, you know, worth it. I think maybe going into the third year of the contract, the Sixers might try to, if this very bold prediction, but they may try to like trade him out for his third year of the contract, just because at that point he may not be able to play that they, the, he may not be the PJ Tucker that we thought they thought he was going to be when he turned 40 years old and what he turns out to be when he, when he does turn 40. Yeah. Um, going to a team that's not quite as competing as the Sixers, but still there, the bulls 
made their biggest pickup so far in the offseason. They added Andre Drummond as a rotational piece in, in the front court behind Nikola Vucevic. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll, I'll take this off here at the beginning. Obviously, Drummond is still one of the best rebounders in the league. He averaged 12 points, 10 rebounds on just 20 minutes last season. He had the highest uh, rebounding per 36 with that 17, which is even above Gobert last season. But it's – I like this move for the Bulls on paper. I mean, they had a lot of trouble last year with their backup big because it was kind of a revolving door there behind Vucevic. So he's a guy who adds – he adds scoring, he adds rebounding. Obviously, his, his scoring is limited to the post, and he's – He's not the best in terms of rim protection, which is, I mean, it's it's a bit shocking given his size, but he does add that rebounding. He adds that that scoring in the post. So I, I'm happy with this move from a Bulls fan. With, with health and a little bit of luck, I think they can compete for a top four seed in the East this year. Yeah, right before everyone started getting injured on the Bulls, they were, like you, know, like you mentioned, the top three, top four team in the East. And adding a rebounding monster like Andre Drummond is, coming to the team that, you know, when you look at the, when you think of the roster, you know, like in just in your head, you know, Vucevic isn't necessarily the type of guy that's going to go get you, you know, 12 to 15 rebounds a game every night. Andre Drummond is that guy. And if that's the type of player that the Bulls were missing to make that deep run, obviously before they all got injured and kind of fell, uh, wheels turned, fell off the rails right at the end. But I don't think Andre, like you kind of mentioned it, having the rim protector, that Drummond is not is probably going to be their downfall to this signing, but nonetheless, he's still going to be able to get you, like I mentioned, 12 to 15 rebounds a game and, you know, put the Bulls in a better position than they were at the end of last, last season. Yeah, the, the Bulls, they didn't need to go out and make a big splash and sign an all-star caliber player. Not saying that obviously Drummond was in the past, but he's not at that level anymore. Sign that all-star caliber player to really take him to the next level. I, this is a roster that can get to the conference finals the way they are now. They just need a little bit of luck. They need a little bit of help, and they needed to add a few rotational pieces, and Drummond fills that role really well in, in the front court. There's just a moth on my computer right now. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got it hold it in my hand for the rest of the episode um <laughs> sorry <laughs> all right what's next um i think we can kind of talk about the rest of the signings before we kind of get into all the i know i guess we can briefly talk about all the guys signing the super max deals pretty brief you know yeah, these so we, all these go ahead we we got bradley beal we got Jokic, we got booker we got Cat, and then we have uh, on the the rookie maxes. We got Zion, we got John, we got Darius Garland. I believe is all of them. Yeah, and Zach Levine signed a. Oh yeah, Zach Levine. Levine, Zach Levine signed too. a five year, two fifteen point two. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been there too. Yeah, um, all these all these players, you know, they're definitely trying to be the organizations are trying to definitely have these players a part of their future by all means and all accounts. You know, the one thing that did concern me about this about this list, I. I yelled it to my mom when they, when they when I first saw the news, but Zion Williamson getting the rookie max designation deal, the five-year 193 million. In my mind, obviously Zion Williams is, is a great player, but I don't think they should have given him the rookie max that he got just because of the limited amount of time that he has played in the NBA. And obviously when he has played, he's dominated, but you know, the injuries are always a conversation of, uh, a point of conversation when talking about him, you know, he hasn't played that much and 
in my mind, I would have rather given him like a, you know, a three-year, four-year deal, maybe around, you know, 70, $80 million just to, you know, make sure that he can prove himself. And there's a reason that they drafted number one at instead of giving him the max extension, but the Pelicans obviously see something that I don't and I'm looking forward to seeing Zion Williams play this coming regular season. Yeah. I think if Jalen Brunson, we'll touch on him in a minute, but if he can get $104 million, I think Zion is maybe not worth 231 as he's projected to get in this deal, but he's, he's worth a lot of money. And especially given how dominant he is when he plays, I think this is a risk that the Pelicans have to take here. Obviously, he had that year where he, he was an all-star. He averaged 26 points per game, and he hasn't really had health around that. But if he can come back to full health, if he can be consistent, if he can keep the weight off, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's something the Pelicans need to take for their franchise to to really make that leap and be a contending team. Yeah, I'm I'm obviously I love Zion Williams as a player. It's just the like you mentioned, the ifs of if he can stay healthy, if he can return to being back that, you know, all star that we saw him that one year. Another guy that I want to touch on really quick is Bradley Beal, because I love Bradley Beal. Don't get me wrong, but it's and there's nothing wrong with this, but it's pretty clear here that he's valuing the money over winning, which is there's nothing wrong with that get your money, get your bag, get your, your, your family's financially secure for three generations now, but it's don't just don't expect me to feel bad in January when the wizards are 12th in the East and you're sitting on the bench with a towel over your head. (laughs) That's it is what it is. Yeah. I, I kind of felt the same way about the entire deal as well. You know, everyone talked about him, you know, get not being with the wizards coming next season and, he talked about it kind of briefly hinting at it and all that type of stuff. But to see the Supermax that he signed was kind of out of the blue, in my opinion. You know, you, you mentioned it that I don't want to see anyone complaining. And like you mentioned in January when they're at the bottom of the table, you know, projected to get another lottery pick top five teams. And, you know, Bradley Beal's got a towel over his head and a, looking like a robot with all the ice packs that he's got on on his knees, shoulders, like Kobe Bryant did in his last season in the NBA. But, yeah, it was uh, very surprising in my mind to see that get the Supermax. Yeah, we can we can touch on now a guy that I mentioned a minute ago, and that's Jalen Brunson signing with the Knicks on a four-year, $104 million deal. Great move by the Knicks. I, I'll kind of touch on it earlier when we – oh, later, excuse me, when we give you know, our free agency winners and losers. But, you know, the Knicks getting a guy like Jalen Brunson – I'll kind of mention it later, but, you know, when he was playing at on the Mavericks without Luka, he was averaging over 22 points a game and 7.5 assists per 75 possessions. Very good for a guy that's at his size, a point guard West well. So the Knicks surprisingly made a good move in the offseason. You know, it's not often that we say that, but, you know, you kind of put this in the notes with the uh, – possible tampering that was going around but we won't talk about that quite yet because there's no um exact or confirmation about that but i'll get your thoughts on signing oh no it, it's not possible tampering this is 100 tampering and they're gonna get a fine for it and I, it is it is what it is i think they've accepted that <laughs> the news broke on this yeah. deal like five days before free agency officially began the Knicks hired Jalen Brunson's dad to be an assistant coach. Leon Rose, the Knicks president, his son is Jalen Brunson's agent. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really think there's any shadow of a doubt that there was 
and tampering here. But as for the deal itself, don't get me wrong. I love Jalen Brunson as a player. He's a very good point guard in his own right. Maybe not quite to the all-star level, but we saw what he did without Luca in the lineup. He's shown he can be a very confident, competent guard in this league. I, I just don't think he's the saving grace the Knicks somehow think he is. Mm-hmm. They're a team right now that's chasing mediocrity. They have they signed Jalen Brunson. They're hoping Julius Randle comes back to the form that he had two or three years ago. They're hoping that R.J. Barrett turns into a star. But at the end of the day, that's only going to really get them a, a bottom three seed in the East, if we're being honest. Yeah, the saving grace that, the like you mentioned, that Jalen Brunson thinks that the Knicks organization is getting is – I wouldn't say it's far-fetched, but it's definitely not something that you're going to see right at the beginning. Um, yeah, it's uh, they're definitely going to need to add a lot more pieces, and guys are going to have to stay healthy. You know, they got R.J. Barrett. They have Cam Reddish. They have Julius Randle. They have a lot of guys who can play and who can get buckets at any given time. But, you know, it's it's going to take a lot more than just signing a uh, undersized point guard to a very, very good deal. I, I think Knicks fans will – we'll be thinking about that playoff run from two years ago for a long time now. Cause I don't think they're going to have one like that near yeah. the future. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, we can go to back over to the defending champs. Now they lost Otto Porter jr. And Gary Payton, who we'll touch on in a minute this off season, but they brought in Dante DiVincenzo from the bucks. Wait, no, the, not the bucks, the Kings. The Kings. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I really like this move for the warriors. I mean, they, they lost a great defensive guy in Gary Payton and a great shooter in Otto Porter Jr. And DiVincenzo is a good shooter, and he's also a guy with – he doesn't have the, the defensive skills that Gary Payton has. He's not quite as athletic. He's in, – in some aspects, he's, he's definitely not the same player as him, but he has a high def- defensive IQ. He has a good motor. He's a good rebounder. He, he can play very good defense, and he's a quality defender. And he's also a guy that – he's a decent three-point shooter. He can hit open shots in space. So – I think this is a solid pickup for them trying to fill the hole of the guys that left. Yeah, with the guys that left, obviously you mentioned Gary Payton, a huge loss. Um, he came on the scene very quickly after playing in the – I saw on Instagram he was playing in Summer League a year ago, and now he's a, signing like a – I think it was – what was it, a two-year deal with the Blazers? Two or three, three years? Year. Three years, yeah, it was three years. And, you know, getting a guy that's trying to fill that role uh, with DiVincenzo, you know, he like you, you mentioned all what he brings to the table – you know, he's, he's a guy who's going to be able to compete. He's a guy who I think he's going to fit well with the Warriors style of offense that they run constantly running around in constant motion. It's kind of how, what do you kind of ran with Jay Wright when he was at Villanova? Um, so I, I think it'll be a good fit for him and seeing if uh, he'll be able to pick up where Gary Payton and Otto Porter Jr. Left off. Obviously it's tough to pick up two guys slack with only one player, but he'll be able to get the job done, but just to the, maybe not to the, exact um numbers and production that we saw from the those two guys that they lost yep sticking out west here we're going to move down south to texas and talk about javel mcgee signing with the mavericks three-year deal worth just over 20 million dollars what are your thoughts uh i like it but only in the fact for the uh type of things that javel mcgee can do on the defensive end Obviously, he's had his fair share of runs on Shaqton and Full and whatnot. But, you know, when he does actually play basketball the way that's not him tumbling around and making fun of, he's actually very – he is a very good NBA player. He just has those moments. But it's a good signing for the Mavs. They're able, going to be able to 
add somebody to compliment uh, Luca coming off those pick and rolls and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good signing for the for the Mavs. I just how I don't even know how old Javel McGee is anymore. He's I'm pretty sure he's getting he's 34. Up there. He's 34, yeah. He's so 34. he'll be 30. He'll be 37 when the deal is done. So he's getting up there. So we'll see how long his age will take him. Maybe he's like a fine wine. We never we never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Mavericks have they lost Jalen Brunson, but they've at, they've added or they've they've added their their biggest need really this offseason and that was big men we saw in the playoffs a lot they they couldn't get rebounds because of the small ball lineup they were forced to play given the players they had on their roster now they brought in JaVale McGee they brought in Christian Wood to play the four as well they've got guys who can rebound now Christian Wood can be even a second option to Luca where he can shoot the ball well he can he's good in the post as well and then JaVale McGee can be a guy that can come off pick and rolls and he can also be good in the post. And he's both of them are, are lob threats with Luca because we know he loves to throw the lob. So I think the, the Mavericks have had a pretty good offseason overall, even though they lost Brunson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Uh, going back to LA for a quick second, Lonnie Walker signed with the Lakers. The Lakers also signed Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones, and a couple other players, but touching on these players just initially because they're it's really filling the Lakers' role of getting good defensive players, which is their their really biggest need this offseason. Obviously, their horrid defense was something that was a, a big critique of that team last season. Although there, were, there are a lot of critiques, given that it's the biggest media market in the NBA, and also they have LeBron James. So yeah, <laughs> um, that's a pretty big deal. So they're really they're really addressing their needs there. Lonnie Walker, obviously the cream of the crop in terms of those players. Former lottery pick out of Miami, averaged 12 points per game with the Spurs last season in his fourth year in the league. He has elite athleticism. He's good at slashing. He's also a pretty good three-point shooter. Last year he had a down year, but I'm I'm assuming that's just a fluke. So I'm excited to see what he'll do with the Lakers. Yeah, he's a Lonnie Walker's the type of guy who um will jump out of a gym in a in a heartbeat. And he actually went to high school that's not too far from me. He's, he's from, he went to Reading, PA, which is like a two-and-a-half-hour two drive from there. So I've heard a little bit about him ever since he's been in high school. But um, he, he's a very good pickup. Like you said, he's mentioned uh, very good defensively and averaged 12 points per game when he's with the Spurs. So great pickup with the Lakers in a, in really a need that they desperately needed. And um, he's only the star and obviously mentioned all the other guys that they signed as well with the Lakers. Uh, the last move we'll touch on here before we'll give our quick winners and losers. Gary Payton signing with the Blazers on a three-year, $28 million deal. Got to be happy for Gary Payton here. He opts for financial security. The Warriors weren't willing to match the contract. They offered him a, a much less money to stay with them. You, you can't be mad at him for taking this deal. Five years in the G League. He's really grinded to get to this point, and I'm, I'm happy for them. He's also adds he fills a need for this Blazers team. They ranked 25th in the league last year, defensive rating. They add an elite perimeter defender who led the league in steals for 36 last year with 2.8. So it'll certainly help their defensive problems on the outside. And he's also a pretty good offensive talent. He, he picks and chooses his shots and hits and hits when he does shoot. He shot 61% from the field last season, only averaged 7.1 points, but he's, he's shooting when he, he feels he can make it and he's making it when he does. So yeah, with the role that he had in the Warriors, it wasn't necessarily where he was going to be getting, you know, double-digit 
consistently points. Obviously, you mentioned he averaged only, what, seven points per game. And on the defensive end is probably where he's going to be able to shine the most. And obviously, he did with the Warriors. But just like the story that he had as well, like you mentioned, playing in the G League for five years. I mentioned it earlier, playing in Summer League this time last year. And now this this time this year, he's obviously an NBA champion and playing for the Blazers on a three-year deal. It's a great pickup for the Blazers. And obviously, they obviously address another need that the, that the team needs. And Gary Payne will be able to fill that role. Yeah, they also added Jeremy Grant a couple weeks ago before the draft. So uh, I think the Blazers are gearing up to compete this year. It's it's really only time will tell whether they'll be, they'll be able to do that and whether Damian Lillard were stuck around in the long run. Yeah, I, I really hope Damian Lillard makes some sort of run before he before his time comes in the NBA because he's quite frankly a player who deserves it. But yeah, great move for the Blazers. All right, um, before we end the show, we're gonna quickly talk about a couple of winners and losers on on both sides of the offseason here real quick and I can throw it up first my first winner is the Utah Jazz I mean like we mentioned a number of times at the beginning of the show <laughs> they added they added a bunch of quality players from the two from the well they only got players from the one trade but they added a bunch of quality players from the Gobert trade and then also they got a total of five first round picks <laughs> In the, in the next five or six years. So it's it's looking big for the Jazz's future. It's they they obviously said they want to retool, not rebuild. I think it would be smarter, in my opinion, for them to look to a rebuild, look to trade Donovan Mitchell while he's in his prime and at his peak value. Because I don't really see them competing for a championship here in the next couple of years. But I think they're set up well for the future with the young players that they have and with the picks that they've acquired this offseason. So I, I think that they've won the offseason so far. Yeah, I wrote I kind of wrote down three, but I think my biggest one was might come to a surprise to you, but I did have I did have the Celtics as, you know, the kind of one of the bigger free agency winners because, you know, they added that true point guard in Malcolm Brogdon and uh Gallinari as well. You know, I I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about uh, you know they filled the holes on the team that they needed to fill and to potentially make another deep run into the uh eastern conference and hopefully the nba finals again obviously that's their hopes is they got got there last year um yeah the the celtics is what had it number two on my list obviously they added brogdon and gallinari they didn't really lose many core pieces or any core pieces really it's a team that made it to the finals are only getting better it's just for me, I'm just hoping they pray and they extend Jalen Brown this season. <laughs> yeah, and they got they got a quality guy in the second round of the draft too, in JD Davison. Yeah, absolutely. He can jump out of the room as well. He's he's the type of player that can develop in the G League, be like a two way player for the Celtics, playing the G League and in the NBA. So definitely a good off season so far for the Celtics, even though we were talking about free agency specifically. So I, I'll kind of go to my second one. You know, we had the – I had the Timberwolves has the offseason. You know, you, we mentioned it as well earlier with the signing of Rudy Gobert, with well, the trade for Rudy Gobert and uh, signing Kyle Anderson. Um, this year, like this coming year, they could be type of contending for that upper to middle in the conference next year if everyone stays healthy, like in that four to five, maybe as lowest range. Um, they're the type of team that we kind of mentioned, you know, on paper looks very, very scary. And I'm excited to see what the Timberwolves do. And obviously, like we mentioned, they get their rim protector and the prowess that Rudy Gobert has in him. 
very slow player in Kyle Anderson, but can definitely contribute to the team that the Timberwolves have. Call him slow-mo for a reason. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, my my third winner for this offseason so far was a little off the board, but I'm going with the Houston Rockets. Obviously, they added in the draft. They got some great players in the draft with Jabari Smith Jr. They got Tari Eason and Ty Ty Washington. And then from the Christian Wood deal, they got Boban, Sterling Brown, and Marquise Chris. But the biggest win for the Rockets here is the fact that the Brooklyn Nets are falling apart because – if if things go if things fall apart for the the Nets here from the James Harden trade last year, the Nets owe the Rockets their first round pick swap next year, their 2024 first round pick pick swap in 2025, 2026 first round pick, and 2027 first round pick swap, and every single one of those is unprotected. Whew. Yeah. Now the way went the way you said that was very uh very convincing why is number three that i i wasn't necessarily thinking of that but um yeah that was definitely a good one uh before i jump into my third pick you know uh for the past few minutes your uh video has been completely frozen oh so I, I'm sen- I know I'm, i my i am frozen on my own screen too i'm currently sending you a video right now and putting it on my private story of um uh of you over the ledge working working hard with the wi-fi <laughs> I'm saying it to you right now. But um Yeah, anyway, my number uh 3 may come to like kind of what we mentioned with the Knicks, but I'm mean, not not with the Rockets, but I did choose the Knicks, but only because they added Jalen Brunson. I know it's a we we mentioned it. It's 100% tampering, but I mentioned earlier, you know, the average he averaged 22 points a game without Luca and you know obviously Luca Doncic there hasn't there's not a player on the Knicks that compares to the production that he's had but um you know 22 points a game with by themselves by himself is a very uh is very competitive and I completely just lost my train but but you know they have guys like him like like RJ Barrett, like Julius Randle, that you keep mentioning that they can uh, they can contribute, and you know the Knicks are added a great guy in Jalen Brunson, but obviously they're going to be facing quite a bit of money on the fines end for getting him quite very early before they were supposed to. Yeah, I'll 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 just jump to my second one right here for the losers side just to bounce off of that, and because I had the Knicks on there. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> just just specifically because, like I mentioned earlier, I think by signing this deal, by signing a guy like Jalen Brunson, despite how good of a player I think he is to that big of a deal, that they're just chasing mediocrity in a sense. And yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to be a fan of a team that's doing that. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So um I'll kind of go I'll kind of just start it off then. So for the my first loser was the was the uh, Golden State Warriors for the reason that we kind of mentioned losing Gary Payton Otto Porter Jr the two guys who contributed a lot to winning the finals. They played their minds out defensively when it came to the finals playing against and Jason Tatum. Absolute studs on the defensive end. And many times they were the reasons, but didn't get necessarily all the recognition for all the defensive stops that they got and slowing down the Celtics and throughout the playoffs, really. Uh, even though Gary Payne didn't, didn't play after, um, after he got that injury against the Mavericks in the, in the uh, semifinals. 
I think it was in the semi against the Grizzlies, yeah. Against the Grizzlies in the semifinals, right? I knew it was a team in the blue. But yeah, that those are my that was my first team losers. Uh my first was the Brooklyn Nets for obvious reasons. Um <laughs> I mean, if if Katie and Kyrie leave, I think d- despite whatever return they get, not to say that their franchise is in shambles, but from the super team that it looked like they had three years ago, things really have not gone to plan for the Nets. So that I I gotta make them a loser for that reason. Yeah, they're they're in my third team. I, I mentioned it before, playing 44 games. Kyrie and uh, KD only played in 44 games together since 2019, and there were well over 200 games played in the regular season in that span. So, you know, when you looked at it in 2019 when they had James Harden, when they had KD, when they had Kyrie, you're like, holy crap, they're going to win the NBA Finals for the next four years. And they didn't even make it out of the second round in those three years. That's cause for concern, like you said, you know, whatever they get for KD – won't obviously be the same same value as get it, having guys like Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Yeah, my third loser was the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm, okay. Just because I as I like PJ Tucker as a player. I just hate the deal that they gave him as a Sixers fan. Yeah. And it, it, the Sixers really didn't do much to get better here. It's really just uh, Daryl Morey bringing in guys that he used to have in Houston because he likes them as people. He brought in Daniel House as well. So I, it might be a bit, a bit harsh to say that they're a loser, but and obviously they're still going to be a contending team this season with the guys that they have in that roster, but their offseason acquisitions have really left a lot to be desired in my mind. Yeah, so this is kind of a – for me personally, a bad way to end the show, but one of my losers were, was, you know, my Miami heat uh, for at number two, at number two, I will say the Nets had a worse off season, but in the lost PJ Tucker, they re-signed Dwayne Dedman for nothing. And they didn't sign a, they didn't sign someone a bigger pickup than Victor Oladipo. You kind of mentioned it. He's going to be able to contribute, but you know, the biggest mistake probably was letting PJ Tucker go uh, after one year. And many, he, like I mentioned, he was many times the anchor of the defense and allowed, you know, Jimmy allowed Bam to go rogue on the defensive end, knowing that he was going to have their back on the defensive end. Was it really able to, you know, rally the troops when needed to? And their first round draft pick, Nikola Jovic, uh, when he was drafted, he was no by, he is by no means the type of player who can come in and replace PJ Tucker right away because, you know, one of the, lacklusters or the weaknesses that he has is his defensive end you know defensive side of the ball you know being 6'11 being only 230 pounds being a very you know skinny guy he's not gonna be able to come in day one and take over and do what pj tucker was able to do and you know with Dwayne Dedman specifically he was a good uh good guy to rotate in for bam but he's just getting old he's getting on the near end of his career and overall i kind of i have faith in pat riley still but I'm just cautious of uh, what they're trying to do this offseason. And they need to get somebody to be able to fit that uh, stretch four position and be able to play the five maybe when they go small. And because their first round draft pick was is very good, but he only turned 19 about two months ago. So he's going to have a lot of time to develop and they need somebody right now because quite frankly, the Heat are in a position to where they can win right now because they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals the last two or three years. Yeah, I had them on here initially, and then I took them off just because I was – As the more I looked at the P.J. Tucker signing, the more I was like, what? 
the 76 yeah 76. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 um I gotcha. but yeah that's probably where we're gonna wrap up the show today thank you all for listening i know it was a long one but there's a lot to get through and there's obviously a lot that we didn't even get to touch on today yeah um make sure you follow us on all our socials on instagram at over the ledge wqaq and on twitter at over the ledge 981 for updates i'm sure we'll have a couple more shows throughout the summer before we get back into school and specifically make sure to follow me on twitter at i don't know my twitter handle but just search my name because i'll be underscore c underscore the bastard something like that i think there's three two hours in there or something because i'll be in vegas in about a week and a half time for the championship game of the summer league so i'll be giving updates on there and i'm sure i'll be posting stuff on the over the ledge socials as well and give us something to talk about next podcast yeah definitely we'll make sure to follow up with you when you come back after that maybe we'll just record right after maybe when you're even in vegas who knows we'll see what happens but uh yeah got a lot of got a lot of big guests coming up we're still trying to coordinate finding times to do interviews and stuff like that but Definitely a good time to be listening to Over the Ledge, and we look forward to being back in the studio in, uh, come this August. But until then, you're going to just have to stick with us over over Spotify and Anchor, wherever you get your uh, podcast. So we thank you for tuning and in. And hopefully, Connor's potato Wi-Fi will sort itself out. Yeah, I got to I got to go back to the drawing board with Wi-Fi. I got to have a conversation with my parents right now, but uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> all right. See you all there. You ready? Surprise. That's okay, I got some big, bigger fish to fry. I wish when I was a kid, I would listen more. If I never hit it big, I'd be with them all. Hold a hand and hug and kiss them all. Already had one too many.